What God has done with my pain. 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 Welcome to What God Has Done With My Pain. Today we have Stacy joining us. Um, what an incredible, incredible woman of God. Like I am, we've only spoken on the phone um, and been able to kind of communicate back and forth of how we were going to do this interview. And I just am already so incredibly excited about everything that you're about to share and just your love for God, you know, throughout our interaction is just so bright and um, and full of love in the spirit. So I'm just really excited to jump in. Um, and in order to jump in, I'm just going to go ahead and ask, you know, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you currently located or where are you from? You know, what what are you up to nowadays? And what is Stacy now? Well, you know? I'm Stacy, and thank you. That was very kind, what you just said. <laughs> um, my husband and I are currently in North Carolina. I am a hairstylist. I'm from upstate New York. And just, I guess that's the short story. We're about to get yeah. into the long one. So we'll start yes. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and you know, during our phone call, one of the things you kept saying was, I'm not going to get into it now because I want to save it for the podcast, which, you know, of course, um, I really love that because you're just like not you don't get one drop of anything until I get on the podcast. <laughs> so I can and I love that because it's going to be so my reactions are going to be very authentic on here. Um, and my questions are going to be um, just right off the bat as we're talking. And so um, let's start early on. Let's talk about what it was like um, for little Stacy as a, as a child. What was your childhood like? You said you were from New York. Um what was all that like? Did you grow up knowing about God? Did you grow up in a house that um, had some, you know, values that carried on what we learned from the Bible and church? Or did you grow up in a household that knew of God and, and believed in God, but didn't necessarily practice as much um, as other households? What was your childhood? When, when I was younger, when I was a young girl, I, from, you know, the very, very early stages until about age five or six, there was not a, that was my dog. There was not a, there was not a strong presence. Um, my parents split at that time. Before that, I remember my dad being gone a lot. And whenever he was home, I feel like there was just always conflict. And I mm. love my father. We, this is something we'll get into later, but God has completely restored that relationship. And I love my dad. Mm. But when we were younger, um, things were very different. And I don't remember a lot of Jesus happening mm. um, from either parent. Uh, and when I was five, I remember my parents got in this huge fight, which um, I just remember trying to stand in between them like this and like push them apart and say, mm. stop fighting, stop fighting. I thought I could fix it. Yeah. And my, someone pushed someone. I'm, I, I, I'm pretty sure my dad pushed my mom based on how she reacted. Um, mm. But I also couldn't see above me. I was trying to separate yeah. them. And when they started pushing each other, I fell under the dining room table, I hit my head. And when I got up, um, the only thing I remember is 
kind of seeing like my mom against the wall. And this Mm. is so hard for me to share because I love my father so Mm. much. Um, But this is, this is the truth. I just remember him holding her there very aggressively and remember it being in this area. And once things came down and calmed down, um, I remember this part's all very blurry, but I remember my mom went into the kitchen and then something physical happened between them. And she told everyone to run upstairs and go into my brother Steven's room once she kind Mm. of got away from it all. So we all went upstairs and locked the door. And then my dad was escorted out by the police. Uh, A few months later, I remember seeing my mother sitting in the same chair she always sat in and she was reading a book. And I said, what are you reading? And she said, well, this is the Bible. Mm. And that's when I remember there being a shift is, Mm. and I said, I didn't understand how big the Bible was. I didn't understand that it wasn't a book. It was a library, you know, Mm. and, um, So I asked her, I said, well, are you almost done? And because I had, <laughs> I had no clue. And I, um, she said, no, not yet. It's going to be a while until I'm done. And I said to her, which now I look back, I bet it was kind of a, a source of accountability for her. I said, well, let me know when you finish it. And every day that I saw her sitting there with it, I would go up to her and say, did you finish yet? Are you almost done yet? Are you almost done yet? <laughs> wow. And because I wanted to know what it was about. And, um, mm. and it's crazy, you know, they say out of the mouth. So the Bible says out of the mouth of babes. And I was so yeah. eager. I, no other books she read. Did I ever, do I ever remember asking yeah. um, about as much as I asked about that one? And that's where we started to feel a shift. Um, and that was, that was pretty, wow. it was a pretty intense shift from there. That point forward, we actually lost our house and we, we lost our house. I don't know how it happened. I was so young. Some people say it was my mother's fault. Some people say it was my father's fault. I'm sure it was accumulation of mm-hmm. just yeah. life. Um, and I don't, I don't think anyone is truly to blame. It was just the circumstance we had been handed, but we lived in upstate New York in the Albany area. And it's pretty cold up there for a large portion of the year. When we lost our home, we, um, we ended up homeless in a sense. So my mother's friend, I believe her name was Marianne. She let us use her pop-up camper and oh, it was wow. very small. It had one bed and it was me, my sister, and then my two brothers and my mother. So there was five of us in this single bed home um, with barely a bathroom. And a lot of the time we had to cook our food outside and um, there wasn't great air conditioning, nor was there very good heat. Um, So it was definitely an interesting experience. And 
I just remember how fun my mother made it. Mm. She just said we were camping. And through the summer, I really thought we were. Yeah. Until we hit the peak of winter. And it was very, very cold. It, this was probably January in upstate mm. New York. And looking back on it now and remembering the things that my mother said, she was friends with the owner of the campground. So they yeah. let us stay there past when it was open. Mm. But I can only assume that after a certain time, he said, okay, everything's getting really snowed in. I can't plow. So we had mm. to leave that spot. And we ended up at um, this woman. Her name was Pat Gagnon. She had a farm and she had an RV on her farm and she had her house as well. And so we went from the pop-up camper. We felt like it was an upgrade. And so we went from <laughs> yeah. this tiny, this tiny little pop-up camper to this RV that had three bunk beds. And then it had another bed where my mom slept. And sometimes one of us would sleep in there with her. Mm. Uh, my brother, Steven, I remember him kind of going from, he was older. So he would kind of go to friends' houses a lot, I'm sure, to get away and uh, and, you know, kids just do that at that age anyway. Um, yeah. So we were there and we had Thanksgiving with her. And on the really cold nights, I remember we would be in the house. And then the other nights we would be in the RV and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it yeah. was, wow, that was kind of the first, the start of the start of my life. That wow. was from age, you know, yeah. I guess baby right. to around eight, eight or nine years old. Yeah. Really, really early ages. Mm -hmm. What was it like? Um, I mean, I know you mentioned that she said that you guys were camping, but what was that like going from having a home to now living in like a pop-up camper and kind of to that realization of like, wait a minute, like this might be a little bit more than camping because I imagine that you internalize a lot because little kids think a lot and they have a lot of questions. What was that like during that time as well? Like inside of little Stacy's head. At one point I realized we didn't have a house. Mm. Um, at first I was not processed. I had not processed it. I really thought we were just camping for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but eventually once school started and things like that, I started to realize that we didn't have a home. Mm. Um, but I didn't think about it in a negative way during that time. I definitely later on into adulthood, I, it kind of affected the way I looked at things that I had. Um, mm. And I was always very resourceful and a little bit cheap. Yeah, I was always like, mm. well, we can get that for this. Like, I know we can. It was always yeah. like that survivor mindset of, mm. um, no, we don't have to spend the money on that. Like, we can go do this. We can do that. We can do X, Y, Z. Yeah. But yeah. for me, being younger at that time, it was a little weird, like cooking our food outside um, some days and the heat during the summer was definitely intense at times. And then mm. when we were the only people at the campground, it felt a little eerie. I think that's when things mm. definitely started to sit in like, 
why are we the only ones here? Why are the other kids gone? Um, Zena, come here. Come here. Go lay down. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. For a second, I was like, do you want me to come through the camera? I know. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) She just gets, she's a rescue, so she gets like that. But if I don't stop her, she'll just keep going. No, it's crushing. Um, Can't really hear her because this is uh, this uh, platform I use is incredible at blocking oh, like, so background good. sounds. Yeah, okay. so you're good. I won't worry about it as much then. If you start to hear her, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> I will. So far, she's been great though. But okay, yeah, you were good. saying that you were coming to that realization like no one else is yes. here. Why are we the only ones here? Yes, wow. and it definitely got pretty weird um and then for a long time we weren't allowed to tell my dad where we were staying and Mm. I do know why um as much as he probably wouldn't admit it um there were times when he would kind of just show up when we lived at our first home Mm -hmm. and I look back on my mother's reactions and some of my older siblings And it was very apparent that he wasn't supposed to be there at that time. Like it was an inappropriate time for him to show up. It was um, overstepping of boundaries and things like that. But in my father's defense, he also didn't, he wasn't fully aware. At least that's how he's expressed it to me. He wasn't fully aware that we were experiencing Mm. that kind of hardship. Yeah. So, and I don't know where the truths and the, I don't know where the hills intersect. Um, yeah. Yeah. This has been a 25 year thing with our family. Like yeah. it gets talked about, people freak out. And yeah. so I've just yeah. came to my own conclusions based on my experience and just watching mm. the adults and everything that happened when I was growing up. It was definitely hard. It was strange. Um, I remember going to school and I was never the popular kid anyway. You know, my hair tended to be a little greasier and things Mm. like that. And um, definitely, and I didn't think anything of it. I felt like I had everything I need. And my mother definitely tried her absolute hardest to do what she needed to do. Um, But I mean, you're a single mom. She didn't get her GED until her adulthood. It was actually Mm -hmm. my Barbara. I call her my Barbara. It's my mother's best friend. Her and I are still very close. And before my mother passed away, um, my Barbara found out on a whim because my mom was having a really hard time getting a good, a good job. And this was the early 2000s. So you could still get a career based job with Mm -hmm. just a high school diploma. It wasn't as, you know, hardcore Mm -hmm. uh, the way it is now where you have to have a degree in this at the third, you could still make enough to get by um, with just a high school diploma. But my Barbara found out that she didn't have one. So she encouraged her. She did go back and get her GED Mm -hmm. eventually. But, and I don't know when all that happened. I just remember, you know, when, to bring it back to the camper, 
I remember being there and then when we left and we moved into Pat Gagnon's property, um, I, I just remember it was very interesting mm. to say the least. I didn't really know how to feel. I was being told one thing. Some of those things I'm yeah. sure were for my protection. And then I was experiencing another different thing. Yes. So yeah. it was very confusing because I was happy, but I also kind of knew that we didn't have what we were supposed to have. Mm -hmm. So it was very conflicting to yeah. experience. Yeah. And you were talking about like, this was from an early age to about mm -hmm. eight or nine. So now we're getting into like the preteen, you know, like that angsty time to teenage years, which not mm -hmm. only are we super impressionable and wanting to um, please and fit in and all of these things, but we're also adapting to other people's um, personalities or aesthetics, whatever we see we want to do. Um, so what was that like for you transitioning? Like this is, that was your foundation, right? Because growing up, whatever happens in our background is kind of like building us to be, like you said, you became a little bit more of like, this is what we can spend on. This is what we're going to have to store away survival mode. Um, so what was it like now that you're becoming a teenager, you're getting a little bit older, um, obviously becoming way more self-aware. Uh, what was your where were you headed? Like, what was your mindset? You know, were you more into that, that worldly mindset? Was it, um, you know, you started to dive in a little bit more into uh, Christianity or the Bible? Or is there anything, any direction that you started to take? Can you see um, what decisions you made or, or what you were up to? Because uh, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that anyone from the ages of 13 to 19 there's a lot of questionable things that we do because our frontal lobe isn't completed. Even by the time of 25, you look back and you're like, now I have yes. so much clarity. Yes. <laughs> yes. That 25 mark is, is definitely, I can identify with that. <laughs> and it's so funny, right? Just not to get off. I'm going to answer your question, of course. No, but, but you're good. Yeah. It's go so ahead. funny when we're 19, 18, we're like, Oh, we've got it, you know? And now I'm 26 now. And I'm like, I don't have it. <laughs> you know, like, I'm fine. I'm fine. By the grace of God, we have everything and more than I could ever mm. ask for. But I'm like, you know, I don't know everything. <laughs> yeah. I know very little. Um, so it's funny that you say that. But to go back to that age, that was such. So this was such a moment of peace because mm. we actually got a house eventually mm. it was a lot smaller we went from this historic home that my father had bought um, which was actually um i have to oh my we'll have to talk about that it was haunted it was oh oh my it gosh it was possessed like and i mean i don't mean like how people say like just a chill spirit, lost spirit. I don't know what God has like, but mm -hmm. we know the Bible says looking back now that like, Oh, familiar spirits, stuff like that, but that's not a thing. Those are demons. Yeah. Yeah. That, that house I grew up in, I, I truly believe a lot of the reason that so much happened was because there, the demonic was present. Um, wow. 
like I got and pushed I, before downstairs. you continue I got all kinds I just, of stuff like all I wanna crazy. I wanna I wanna um I wanna verify or not verify um well I want to back you up basically on what you're saying yeah. um because as you're getting into this I just want to say I have had one other person tell me a story and I'm going to tell it she's actually been on the podcast um but this this is a while ago she's from season one Mm -hmm. when I first met her we were at church and she was talking and she was we were having this breakfast there because there's a a woman's event or no a freedom event and uh she was telling me she moved into a trailer and she was experiencing really weird um nightmares I'm talking about like dreams that were just not of her they're very sexual dreams um, they were just all those dreams were very based on um, just all things sexual, all this stuff. And someone had given her advice like, oh, you should probably do like a spiritual cleansing, like pray over the place, you know, just go about the home praying. And she said that like when she was doing that, her dogs like started from the back and started to chase something out like they were barking at something particularly. Um, yes. But she was just saying that like later she found out that the previous owner um had just some really bad extra activities that he would do that you can only imagine probably invited even more of that, even more of those demon based type of things. Uh, because right. I think we've all heard it. Like if, if, if you're, you know, not necessarily prideful, but if you have this one thing, you know, that can be demon led. Right. And so if he was doing all of these things and this was a, an open space to be doing them and then he leaves or was arrested, I can't remember the story. So don't quote me exactly, but and then she comes in and she's experienced because she was just like, I don't understand these dreams. She was like, at first I was wondering if God's trying to tell me something, but then right. over further uh, investigation and, and prayer, like it really was just believed that there's something here that she just had to keep praying and praying and praying to get it away. So when you're saying this, like I, I very much like I agree, like the Bible has made that very clear um, when it comes to like the whole like spirits and familiar spirits. I really think uh, that it makes it very clear that it's just like they say, Satan hides himself as, as light. So yeah, you were saying you got pushed down the stairs. Yes. And that was just one of many things, um, that happened. So I guess we'll back up to that house. Right. And then we'll go on and talk about ages, Yeah, you know, 10, um, well, eight to like 10, 11. So we, in that house, a plethora of things happen and every sibling has had an experience, um, whether it was just one or it was multiple. Um, my brother, Steven had crazy experiences in his room. Um, but I'll, I'll just speak of myself right now. Um, I had been pushed down the stairs. There was a time I was laying in bed. My sister and I shared a room and the room was very large and just Mm -hmm. a little history of the house. For about 70 years, the house was a funeral home. Mm. So it actually, it was built, um, it was a historic home. It was built during the Civil War times. And I think, um, I'd have to look it up again. Someone important lived there. I don't know if it was the founder of the town that I grew up in. I can't remember, but it was a historic house. And it was a funeral home for 70 years. My mother's bedroom, actually, you know, the white doors that like push all the way in the French yeah. doors. Yeah. That was her bedroom door. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So like, that Gosh. was like the viewing room. Um, mm. And I didn't know, I didn't 
know that until I had been in a funeral home myself, you know, later in life. Yeah. And I saw yeah. those doors and I was like, oh my gosh, that was in my yeah. mother's bedroom. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I would get pushed down the stairs. There was a woman mm-hmm. who passed away in my room. And at the time I thought it was her. Um, now I know that that was deception. It was probably an evil spirit. But um, when I was in my bedroom, I was watching Rugrats. I remember this very vis- vividly. Oh, it was like, classic. yes, it was, but it was like new episodes were coming out. That's like the time mm. period, right? It's like early 2000s. I'm chilling in my room. And I'm maybe seven because it was like right before we lost the house um, is when mm. I remember because there was a shift. I was like maybe seven at the time. Mm. And um, so I'm sitting in my room and I hear this like this like scratching, like mm. like someone like running their hands like down a wall, right? Yeah. Like their fingernails. Yeah. I have four brothers and two sisters. So my first thought was not ghost. My first thought yeah. was my brother Steven's in the closet and he's yeah. trying to scare yeah. me. Yeah. So, cause yeah. he did stuff like that all the time, him, his friends, everything. Like they just torment, tormented <laughs> us. It was like basic early 2000s, yeah. 90s siblings where mm-hmm. like, that's just what you did. Okay. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, get out of my closet, Steven. Like, I bet it's you get out. I'm going to tell mom. Mm-hmm. And then I got the noise calmed down. So I got distracted by the TV again. I'm watching Nickelodeon. And I'm just sitting there. And, and then I hear it again. But this time I hear like, mm-hmm. like a gasp for breath. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like a struggle. And I was like, Stephen, mm-hmm. you're not scaring me. I'm like mad, like super mad. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, get out of the closet. Stop. Like, don't do that. And then I got distracted again. Same thing, watching TV. And then I hear it again. Only it's like a little bit louder and it's like a murmuring. So it's like Mm. the scratching and then, but then it's almost like, Mm. like it's like trying to say something. And I kid you not, I, I, I can't make this up. Okay. I remember this is a core memory and Mm. I did not sleep in that room for months Mm. after what happened. So I stood up, I'm like super upset and I'm like, Mm. get out of my closet. I'm going to tell mom, I'm going to tell on Mm. you all these things. Like get out of my room. Super mad. I'm like ready to fight. Right. All of a sudden. So it was a walk-in closet. It was like a room pretty much, you know, and the light was not on in there because it was the evening. I was just watching TV and I kid you not, if this is the frame of the closet, right? This hand, old, purple, dirty fingernails, this hand came around like this. Mm. And I just watched for a second and it looked like it was about to pull, like the wrist started to come out. Once I saw the wrist coming out, I bolted. I ran downstairs because I'm like, Mm. I don't know what kind of trick this is. I don't know what kind of trick they're trying to play on me. Like, but I'm scared now. I'm freaked out. I'm scared. Mm. And I ran downstairs and everyone was in the living room. Every person in that house was in the living, room. the living room. So I run downstairs. Wow. I'm freaking out. I'm looking around. Everyone's here. 
And so yeah. I just yeah. started sobbing and wow. freaking out and Girl. like, I'm not okay. And my mom's like, what mm. is happening? I'm like, duh, duh, duh. I'm like having a panic attack. Mm. I, I don't know what to do. And I would not sleep in my room for I about two you. months. And I just, I yeah. couldn't. Um, you that know, was I, the worst, I think, the worst experience I had in that house. I think you saying this is so, I think, so important um, because we yes. don't talk about, we don't talk we don't. about evil spirits and how real they can be. Um, and how they can attack on a family and pry on a family and they really will yes. plant seeds and yes. they will break because like what the Lord brought together is a beautiful covenant to multiply to have children and yes. have kids and what the enemy wants to do is to completely obliterate that image completely and I love that you're sharing this because you know fear and all and whether this was you know before your father you know uh left or even it was after before he left. no this was yeah. before yeah there was so a shift this... in the home. The minute my mother opened that Bible, and I'll have to talk about that in a moment. Wow. Seeing we're talking wow. about like spiritual warfare. There was like yeah. a very a theme huge, going on here. There was a huge shift. And I feel like the demonic had such a hold on my family mm. from my brother Michael, um, who I pray for all of the time, um, to my parents, to mm. just the whole thing. So yeah. Other than that, like there was another time I remember so vividly besides being pushed down the stairs. And that time was, that was crazy in itself. I'll have to tell you that in a moment, but there's, yeah. these are the top three physical experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. um, the next one was I was laying in bed and I was sleeping. Okay. I'm going to share four actually, because that one, yeah. I don't know how that happened. That one was crazy too. And I feel like it was I feel like I'm there was something it. spiritual for it. So, yeah. but this time I'm sleeping and the way my sister and I's room was set up, it was a huge room, huge room. Um, yeah. So yeah. the room, like imagine pretty large dimensions, right? Walk-in closet yeah. is down here. The, the door that leads into our room is right here. So you have the walk-in okay. closet, you have a little cutout right here where my sister's bed was. About mm -hmm. 10 to 15 feet away, my bed is in this corner against the wall. Yeah. Window here, window here on these walls, right? Our beds are super far apart, mostly mm -hmm. so we wouldn't mess with each other. They used to be right yeah. next to each other as we got a little older and like we're picking on each other more and like we're beating each other up. My mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. I mean, yeah. you, oh my gosh, we were just like the definition of sisters. Like that was, and we're Irish twins, they call it, you know, we're only a year and a half mm -hmm. apart. So we were like constantly just like fighting each other. <laughs> so she was like, can't do this. Y'all gotta be at least you need some kind of separation. So she gave us yeah. one of the larger rooms in the house. There were quite a few bedrooms that were all relatively large. It was a beautiful historic home. It, it was such a blessing in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but so we're separated like that. I'm laying in bed and all of a sudden I feel something pinch the back of my arm, like hard. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like, I don't mean like a bug bit me. Okay. Like, you know what it feels like when someone grabs the Thank fat on the back of your arm. Yes. And like pinches you like that is not yeah. takeable. Yeah. Right. And so I'm laying in bed and I felt that and I like opened my eyes a little bit and I was like, Stephanie, get off of me. Like, oh, mm -hmm. it's late. Like, what are you doing? Go to your bed. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. so tired. I didn't care. I fell asleep again and I felt it again. And this time it was a little bit harder. And 
I was like, go, like get off. Right. And it's the same mm-hmm. kind of ser- scenario. I just assume my sibling is messing with me. And yeah. then the last time that it happened, it like hurt. It was like mm-hmm. no longer annoying. It was like very, very painful. Yeah. So I sat up all the way because I hadn't sat up at that point. I sat up all the way. I pulled my blanket back and I was like, stop. And I sat up. She is all the way in her bed. Right. But I mean, she is like laid out out. under the covers. Like Mm -hmm. there would have been no time for her to run back. If any, if she was really fast, I might see her jump into bed and throw the covers over her. But like they were that last minute momentum, right? Yes. Right. Like they were that far apart, but her slumped with the cover completely like halfway over just laid out, you know, mm. like just completely passed out. Girl's been knocked There's out. There's no way. Yes. And I'm like looking around. I didn't know what to do. I was afraid. So I just covered my head and I forced myself to go back to sleep at that point. Mm. Um, but that time was another very vivid time. The time I got pushed down the stairs, it was wild because I had these little boots on and had a tiny heel on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first, I thought my foot was just stuck on the stair. But when I went to go, like my, I thought my heel had gotten stuck. I went to go lift my foot off the stair. And I kid you not, it was like something was holding my ankle to the ground. Mm. Like, I mean, I could not lift my foot off of the ground then as I'm sitting there trying to pull 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 my foot right as I I tried to pull it one more time and right as I did that it was like it was as if nothing was stuck it like I didn't feel the boot come off the stair nothing and yeah. I just went toppling down the stairs mm. um yeah it was it was absolutely wild the only other thing I can I'll say about like experience wise. And then I want to tell you about the shift is um, I was laying on my bed and I was, uh, it did give me a a fear of lightning for a while. Sometimes I still get a Mm. little anxious. So there was a window here, a window on the other side of the wall. So there's like a corner, one window on this side, there's a big space of wall. There was like an outlet for the TV right there. And then there's another window on the other side of the TV. So the, wind, so the TV's in that corner. My bed was turned toward the TV. We often rearranged our room. And um, my mom, she just loved to change. She, mm-hmm. It was like her stress relief was to change everything in the house. No, I really, that is me. <laughs> yes, she would like move everything around. I'd walk in, I'd be like, why is my room like this? um so I'm laying on the edge of my bed my sister Melanie is behind me and it was Mm. thundering and this may have just been coincidence but it was crazy um so I'm laying there and I'm like head on the edge of the bed laying on my stomach watching the tv and I kept scooting forward toward the window Mm -hmm. and she said you should scoot back like it's thundering, it's lightning, you're right near the window. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, but you know, a kid. Yeah. They're just going to yeah. keep doing it. 
So I kept scooting up. My sister's telling me, scoot back. I scoot up. I scoot back. We're doing this whole back and forth ordeal. And I scooted up and I'm sitting there. I was sitting there for like maybe 30 minutes. You know, I'm not moving, nothing. And out of nowhere, I feel my sister pull me back. Like it felt Mm -hmm. like slow motion. She like grabs me and pulls me back. Right as she pulls me back, a lightning strike or something. Mm -hmm. I see this giant flash of light. It came through the window. The window did not break. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how this happened. Maybe there's a scientific reason for this. I don't know. Yeah. Came through the window, hit the TV. The whole Mm -hmm. thing blew up in smoke. Fire alarms going off and everything. I do not know. I have no other explanation other than the grace of God and he gave her supernatural speed to be able to pull me back and to know mm, that that wow. was about to happen. Like, I mean, w- her and I both watched it yeah. get lit. Like we watched this light come into the room. She pulled, she knew it was coming. Like she pulled me back. Wow. And um, that mm. was, that's the last experience I'll share. There were many, many more I mean, our basement yeah. even had the things that they would embalm the, they had like the tray, oh, but they would like lay the body on and stuff yeah. like that, like the little like chains and stuff. And yeah. it was wild. Yeah. So my mom reading the Bible, right? As she started to read the Bible, all of a sudden there was this shift in our house after my father left. And I, before mm. I came to Christ fully, um, to my like full understanding now. Yeah. I thought that it was because my father exited and that's why the house shifted and lifted. Mm. Looking back on it now, I don't believe that that was the case at all. Yeah. Um so she starts reading the Bible and all of a sudden when I tell you the house even looked different. Wow. Like through my eyes there was a shift. There was a spiritual shift in the home. And I had a dream at that point. I started having dreams. I had a dream and I told my mother about it. I don't know where she was in her faith. For me, this would be confirmation for me. So I'm sure it was for her. Yeah. I told her and we hadn't even really been to church, but I remember seeing the old school picture of Jesus on the wall. Mm-hmm. which technically biblically we shouldn't have. Right. But God uses all yeah. things for the good of those who love him. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw this picture on the wall and you know, this is early 2000s. Everyone knows what picture I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can, I can physically see yes. it sitting there. Yes. <laughs> and it's like in a frame and it's Jesus. And um, she's reading the Bible and I knew this and I all of a sudden had a dream. And I said, mom, mom, I said, I just ran downstairs and I said, Jesus is my best friend. I'm little at this point. Mm. I hadn't been, we hadn't been to church yet. Like we hadn't done anything. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Cause like she hadn't told me anything about scripture. She just started telling me that Jesus was God. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I didn't, I don't even remember even asking her, well, what does that mean? What does, what does God mean? Like, I didn't mm-hmm. even ask her that. I was just like, mm-hmm. okay. And like, I just went with it. 
And um, I had this dream about Jesus. And it's funny, he did not look like that picture, just so everybody knows, records <laughs> out. Um, but I also could not see his face. And now that I've read mm. the Bible, it says, you know, like the face of the Lord, mm. nobody has seen. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. his glory yeah. would probably kill us. Yeah. And um, yeah. I didn't know that at the time. Wow. But I just remember this man of light. Like, I mean, he was made out of light. Like, not his skin was light. Mm. He had no skin color. He was made out of light. And his clothing mm. was white like my shirt, but it was mm. light white. Like, it was... Mm. Well, it was white light. Like his skin was like this golden light and mm. his shirt was white light, like his clothes, his tunic. Yeah. And he had on a tunic and um, he had on like this long tunic. And I remember in the dream, we were sitting there and we were playing with my toys. That was the only thing that happened in that dream. Oh, and don't make me cry. he was... He was sitting there with me and just at the bottom of the steps in the living room in that house. And he mm. was playing with me and my, he was playing with me with my toys. And, um, and I remember I kept like trying to look up and I was like looking up so high and I couldn't see his face. No, no matter uh -huh. how hard I tried, I could only see him from here down, mm. but I knew it was Jesus. Um, I couldn't mm. even see his hair. So I don't know what color his hair is. I don't know any of yeah. that. I only saw him from here down. And mm. um, and he was just with me. And he was so present. And I just, when I lost my way, the Lord reminded me back to that dream. And we'll talk about that later. But I told my mom about it. And um, that was right before everything happened. And... Mm. Uh, I just said, I said, Jesus is my best friend. I didn't even know anything about him. And it makes me think of that Bible verse out of the mouth of babes. They will mm. proclaim the name of the Lord. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's so true because I already knew, I knew him more then than I did mm. in certain adult areas of my yeah. life. Wow. And yeah. um, that's when that shift happened. And then we became I just homeless gotta say, and everything else. And it so was, but yeah, you reminded ahead, me. Ahead. No, I was just going to say, I love, I love when you said more present um, than, you know, when you're an adult and it, it just reminds me of scripture when, you know, the, everyone's arguing and it's like, which one is the best? And Jesus is like, truly, truly, I tell you that children are the greatest. Yes. And yes. that's, that's so beautiful because to, de to describe how present he was with you and, how just that shift, I really do believe because the, the word of God, I think, um, taking that moment to just acknowledge that your mom by opening the Bible and reading the word of the Lord is just so profound and strong that nearly yeah. just taking that time to spend in the word of God Ooh, is powerful and we is. don't <laughs> acknowledge it. And, um, his love is so strong. And I actually, I want to piggyback off of you real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I grew up, I grew up, I want to say in a questionable home, it definitely was not mortuary um but we i grew up in, a little bit in the country and uh, well country in the sense of like all the houses like if you needed to go to someone you're gonna you're gonna walk right. for a little bit um right um, so 
But I remember we did experience, and so I can only talk about uh, one experience my mom had and one experience that I had, well, among many, but reason I want to say it is because I do before we leave this topic because how you ended it was so beautiful that I do want to just (laughs) help anyone who's listening um, who has previous you know just let them you know know that when God is is the light in all darkness but that also the Bible does recognize evil spirits um you know you know uh, Mary Magdalene was possessed by seven demons she was going through it uh we have another guy who was also being possessed thank Jesus rebuke them and put them into pigs. So th- this is a real thing and it's acknowledged by the Bible. Um, and these are things that can, you know, harm us and that just the word of God is so strong. But I'll start off with a little bit of background. The house belonged to someone who I want, I, if I'm remembering correctly, he had, he was deceased in the house, like in the sense of like, I think he was gunned down in the house because he was doing um, like, uh, like drug activity and all this oh, stuff. And wow. so it ended up in the house. Um, and so the one experience, everyone who came over, or at least who had stayed there a promptly amount of time had similar experiences, but not, but I'm going to focus on two prominently ones. Um, my mom, one day, me and my, uh, stepsister were at school. My brother was at home. He was at school. Uh, my stepdad wasn't home. He was working. So it was only my mom and she was in the bedroom. She was laying down and she hears, so kind of, I'm going to try to do it how you did it. Her room was here, right? Let's say, I don't know if you can say, but here. Yes. And so the dining room was like right adjacent behind it. So her right. she, her wall was right next to the dining room. You go through the dining room to get to her room. No. Well, yes and no. So you, so they were actually right behind each other, kind of. Like here's the room oh, and here's okay. the room. And then the hallway was right here. Yeah. And oh, so, okay, okay. Um, all of, this is important because she's laying in bed and she's, and I remember she told me this uh, when I got a little bit older, like two few years after it happened, or maybe a year, but that's neither here nor there. She's laying down and she hears talking in the dining room. Like she hears like a group of men talking and she's like, oh, you know, did he come home early and bring coworkers? Cause you know, he would come and like people would come and people would sit at the dining table and talk. And my mom was like, my mom's the type of person where she, if she's not expecting guests, she's not going to make an appearance. She's like, nope, that's beyond me. I'm going to sit in my comfort. Um, and so she was in the room. And she hears them talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and like clatter and all this stuff. But she's like, she, my mom, like me, is very nosy. So she was like, I can't hear what they're saying. She's like, it was just a lot of mumble. And again, country. So no TV was on. It's not like we were neighbors and we could, or or apartment where you can confuse it. Right, right. And so she's like, there is noise. Where is that noise coming from? There's no radio on. Um, So she's just like, I can't make out. So she gets up and. She leaves her room and again, she goes in the hallway towards the kitchen so she can peer. And she says that her heart drops because there's no one there. There's not a soul. And she swears that she heard like talking and meeting and all this stuff. And she left. She's like, I had to get out of the house for the day. Um, Again, like a lot of occurrences. But the reason I say this is because during that time in my life, just there was a lot of arguing in the household. There was a lot of just conflict, a lot of brokenness. We were not... Um, we were not a house where like we were praying all the time and stuff like that. Like that just was not um, like we grew up Catholic and we would go to church like every other Sunday, but it wasn't like we were practicing in the house. Um, and I'm saying like there were really intense experiences in the sense of just the conflict argument. And I remember I was, I remember very vividly, I was in the sixth grade and I had a dream. I was sleeping in my room and I had a dream and in my dream, my room is covered in blood, like, co- like I was just murdered. 
I don't remember being murdered wow. in my dream, but I remember waking up from a murder. Um, I, was, I don't, you know, just blood everywhere, blood everywhere. And I, and in my dream, I get up and I'm walking and I see my mom, but she, I, I, I run up to her. I'm like, mom, mom, my room's covered in blood. And she walks right through me. And I run in front of her again, trying to hug her, trying to, and I'm like, I'm like dead. Like I can't get anyone's attention. There's blood everywhere. I'm just panicking in my dream. And then I don't, I think this is the Lord. But then that morning, my mom never woke me up in middle school. I was responsible for waking myself up. But for whatever reason, my mom woke me up that morning. I don't know if she heard me stirring, but I woke up and I saw her and I, you know, the whole realization that it's a nightmare and all this stuff. And I just hug her and I just start crying. And I'm like, mom, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like I tell her my dad, I was dead. Like I just kept saying I was dead. I was dead. I was dead. I was dead. I didn't go to school that day. I couldn't do it. Um, but learning what I did about that house and, and what took place, like it just created a lot of conflict. I mean, oh, like wow. people were saying, like even um, my brother's girlfriend at the time, she had stayed and then we, she had stayed. We had left to go do something. No one was out there. She was napping. So we didn't, we we're like, we're not going to wake her up. We're just going to go grab what we're going to yeah. grab. We're going to come back. When we got back, she was livid, furious because she thought my brother was pranking her. Similar to what you described. She was like, that's not funny. And he's like, I was not here. We just got back. And uh, she got even angry. Like, why would you leave me here alone? Da, 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 da. And so I'm not going to get into her experiences. I, I don't remember all of it, but I just know that she was napping. Right. And then she was not napping. Um, and so why I say like, it's spiritual warfare is real. And like the enemy will do whatever he can to separate families, to break families. And um, oh, again, like yes. plant seeds of hatred and anger and bitterness and argument and all of these things. And just the healing that has taken place even in my own family, like, like my mom took a toll, like living in that, on that property, because my mom lived on that property up to 2018 and it took a toll on her. And, you know, when she, um, when she lost the property, cause she lost the property, I think personally, I was like, that's, that's God. Um, because things started to take weird turns. Um, they were just, um, my stepfather started to worship things. Even at a young age, I was like, that doesn't seem right. Like I'm saying like, just kind of like doing things that were idolatry. Like, you know, like this is going to bring us money. If we, if we all like, if we like if, manifestation you know, having, and stuff yeah, like, like altars. Okay. Yeah. Like altars to these random little, so gods. And I just remember being like, that doesn't seem right. And so when my mom yeah. lost the property, I was like that, like, cause it, it was hard on her, but I can see a shift in her heart. Yeah. Like that was the most difficult thing my mom probably has ever experienced among many, but I look at it and I'm like, I think that was God because that place just had a lot of, I mean, ev like experiences. Like we had two house fires on that property, like two, like one of our homes caught on fire. We replaced it with a new one, but then the motor home that we were living in at the time, while we waited for the other one, it, that one caught on fire. And my mom almost perished in that one. So like, don't dismiss things that happen, whether it's just like, you know, arguments or just, you know, just uncomfortableness or, you know, again, multiple fires. It's possible yes. that there is spiritual warfare going on. Yes. It's, yeah. Yes. And that is definitely the time to pray and pray for a hedge of protection. Now, that doesn't mean we should obviously, you know, get hyper-focused on every bad mm -hmm. thing that happens within our home because, the Lord says that we have authority over our homes. And if he allows something yes. to happen, prime example, um, the other night, you know, this is something that the Lord allowed to happen. My neighbors, I doubt they'll ever see this, 
but um, they, they never, I've never seen them park both of their cars like back to back. We have a lot of uh, street parking mm-hmm. and they have a driveway though. And um, I've never seen them have like two cars back to back, like right in front of their front door on the street side parking. I'd never seen that. My husband and I are sitting here eating dinner. All of a sudden we hear someone slam on their brakes and then we hear a crash. And it sounded mm-hmm. so close that we thought it was my vehicle um, because our driveway isn't paid. And I have a little, my husband calls it a go-kart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and I already, we had to replace my splash guard because I hit a stone that was um, in our driveway. He, said, yeah. so just, he was like, babe, just park on the side for now till we get it paved and yeah. I was like, all right. So we were like, oh no, because I'm one of the only cars out there. But we yeah. looked, yeah. someone had ran the stop sign in front of our house, not where I park on the other side. Someone had mm-hmm. ran a stop sign in front of our house. And I don't know if they were intoxicated or if their brakes went out. There's a left and a right. There's no straight. Okay. Mm. Straight is my neighbor's house. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. And they rammed into their car. Mm. And I, the minute I saw what had happened, I said that was the Lord's protection over their Mm. home because as upset that they probably are, that their cars are damaged. Like it moved their car onto part of their lawn. Mm. But if they would not, have had their cars there, that mm. car would have went through their front door. Like oh, yeah. it, it would knows? have literally, mm. and they just moved in. And I was just thinking like, they have their dog outside on the front porch a lot. They let their dog hang out out there. Mm. And I was just thinking like, oh my, like, thank you, Lord. And I didn't say that to them because it didn't feel like an appropriate, <laughs> appropriate Yeah, time. yeah. And also, I haven't yeah. met them yet. They just bought the house. So imagine I go, hey, by the way, that was Thank God goodness, right? that your car got mm-hmm. hit. Like, Thank goodness your car got hit. Like, that would just not, Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. make sense yeah. most likely. But so just for anyone yeah. that does listen to this or watch this, it's not to get hyper-focused on bad things that happen, but don't ignore them. See how good. Like, pray, mm. pray that, you know, that protection over your home. Yeah, the armor of God is real. I mean, mm-hmm. we live in a fallen world and a broken world, and yes. the Bible says, you know, there are principalities and things that are against this. So, yes. it's, you know, I absolutely agree. Like, keep an eye out for it, but don't hyper focus on it. Like, it's yes. not like no weapon form against me will prosper. And that is the word of the Lord. And so, knowing that and wearing that on your heart, that's saying, like, you know what? Because one of the things I tell myself is, like, if this has happened, it is because the Lord wanted it to happen. If he did not want it to happen, it would not have happened. So I'm going to yes. ride with it. I'm going to see where it takes me um, because it really does. It either will grow and develop you and it sucks. Spiritual growth sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be uncomfortable. It hurts. You're like, I don't want to be here. But then you look back and you're like, okay, I can, I mean, talk to Joseph, talk to David, talk to Job, talk to all of these biblical characters who are like, no, we know we, we went through this type of pain. And again, why the podcast is so important. Walk what God can do with your pain. So spiritual warfare can and will come, but it's also knowing like, no, I have the armor of God. No weapon form against me will prosper. And also if God is allowing this to happen, it is going to be a part of a bigger picture that I can't yet see. So love that we went on that whole sidetrack thing because I I, mean, I just <laughs> also, it was just so rich though from you. Like it was so very rich 
um, how you delivered it. And again, <laughs> like um, I think I talked about this in Megan's episode, but there is a uh, a guy in deliverance ministry and he talked about growing up his experiences in his bedroom and, but his, his gift was deliverance. So he was more sensitive to it, but the enemy was attacking him to weaken him against it as a child. Um, and so he, he turned that, that, that memory of those, you know, horrible nights in his room of, you know, being scared and having all these images and things pop up in his room to later feel his ministry and say like, I have experienced this. Once um, you've experienced the demonic, so once you've experienced the demonic, there is, nothing scarier mm. um there like the amount of a thought once you are once you take those feelings of fear and everything to the lord once you've experienced mm. those things you can feel the authority of the lord on your life like mm. before my husband Amen. came before my husband came to christ i told him all the time like i will I would leave you before I left Jesus. Like, mm. or, you know, you can go, not that saying I would leave, but like, yeah. you can leave. But <laughs> Yeah. And if yeah. you leave me because of my faith or you do whatever, that is mm. your decision. Yeah. Like I, but yeah. I'm going to tell you what, I will be serving yeah. the Lord. Yeah. And I've already have the victory because Christ has the victory. Mm, so beautiful. And, and that's that transparency and openness of saying like, my heart belongs to the Lord. And it takes, yes. I mean, let's also acknowledge that it takes, it takes a while. I mean, it depends on the person, but for certain people, it can take a long time to give your heart to the Lord to even, because mm -hmm. I used to think that I knew God and I used to think that I believed in Jesus. It wasn't until I fully submitted myself and gave my heart mm -hmm. to God and then got to such a place where I was like, you can take everything from me, you know, Job yes. it out but I cannot let go of God. Like I might, you know, there've been days where you can be tempted to be like, this is exhausting. I don't know if I can do this. You know, I've had people say like, I came so close, so close, but then it's like, God won't, like God won't let you go. And you he realize that you. he won't leave. You can even think about leaving, but God will say, I'm not leaving. I am with you for everything and every, you know, aspect and, 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 and corner of your life. And so very beautifully said, like, I agree, you know, people can come and go, but like, like you, it's not as easy to just get up and saying, I'm going to go with so-and-so now. Like it's once you've discovered that love, it's so beautiful. And, and sometimes it takes a while to get there. And that's because God is such a beautiful God of consent. And, oh my gosh, we're like what, 58 minutes in. And this has got, this is already yeah. so packed of goodness. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say this is, I think this is the first one I've done this, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, let's take a quick break. There is no greater love, no greater love. Back, our coffees were warm and now they're lukewarm because um, <laughs> we took some sidetrack talking before we jump back in. Um, but yeah, I mean that first half, absolutely incredible. That was so so good. Um, so let's jump in and keep going. So you you talked about the shift, and then you started to talk about like that uh, when you got older, you got a house, and then there was like this peace. Um, that during that time yes, was there was a few years of peace. So we got a very small home compared to what we had came from. Um, it's actually, it, it was, it had one more bedroom than what I have in the house we live in now, which is funny. But for me at the time, going from that big historic house, um, 
to the camper to this house. Uh, the house was smaller, but it was not as small as the it was not as small as that pop up camper. So um, <laughs> we the minute we got in the house, my mom we had this big storage unit. So we went and we picked up like just one box of toys just for that moment, and we didn't have beds mm. or anything yet. Um, you know, like all of that was still in the works. I think we had some in storage, but like we were missing a lot of things. We didn't have very yeah. much. Um, but so I just remember when we first, when I first walked into that house, like it was going to be our first night there. We, um, I had like my little box of toys. I just started throwing them like throwing them mm. out, throwing them everywhere. And I was so excited. Um, and one came down and hit me in the face and I was crying because like it wasn't the best <laughs> idea to throw them. Short lived. You know, right. <laughs> but like, I was just so excited to have space. So, I mean, I was like throwing them. Like I was like, I just, I mm. want to move. Like I can move, I can run. I was like running around in all the rooms because like oh. we didn't have that, you know, like we didn't have space like that. And, um, mm. I remember, I can't remember if we had two cots or just one cot at the time, but we all kind of slept in the living room. Like we had an air mattress, we had a cot, and then um, we had sleeping bags, but we had a house. And we were so used yeah. to like, you know, when we were in the pop-up camper, we would take turns sleeping in the bed. And then we had like this little, um, where you ate lunch like the booth. So we would like, yeah. sleep. So, so one of us would like sleep in the booth. And, um, mm. so there was that. And then we had the bed, we would share the bed and stuff like that. The backyard mm. was awesome. And we were in upstate New York, our first winter there, there was this giant hill in our backyard. Then there was a drop off and there was the patio. Mm. And then on the side, was this big plane of grass that also was slightly downhill. It's very hilly. Albany area is very hilly. There's a lot of hills and stuff like that. Yeah. And so there was like this slightly downhill grassy area. So big hill, right? And we would go, the patio was like maybe four feet. So we would go off the side into the side yard. Oh and it was goodness. like, it was awesome. Like, yeah, it was the best thing ever. And in the summer, we kept our sleds out because we didn't go into the side yard. We couldn't get that much speed without the snow, but we would still go down the hill. That's how steep it was. And um, it was just, we just had the best time. We were going to church and um, we were going to this, I don't know if it was, I think it was non-denominational, the church we were going mm -hmm. to at the time. So like we were, my mom was in faith and we were doing that. And for two years, I mean, we had stuff, you know, going on from here to there, but I'd say about two years, it was just straight peace. Mm -hmm. So like ages, um, I think we got into that house when I was, uh, we were only in that house for maybe, maybe at the most two years is how mm -hmm. long we were in that house. Um, before things started to take, they took another shift. And this is where things, this is where I, I would say as much as um, the first part of my life, when I was a young girl, that was my testimony was the first part mm -hmm. of my life. But I would say from here, oh my gosh, I mean, 
I guess you could say I have like five testimonies, <laughs> like yeah. as crazy as I'm it here is, for all I of mean, them. I mean, but so from this point all the way until this will take us from here until adulthood, I'd say. So about two years of peace. And I remember um, right after my, how old was I? I just turned 10. Right mm -hmm. after my 10th birthday, or it may have even been like that same week, or maybe it was a month later, all of this is genuinely a blur, this time period in my life. Um, my mom got diagnosed with brain cancer. And leading up to that, she was super sick. Um, that whole past year before my grandmother came down and um, my sister Melanie was such a big help. And of course my brother Steven was too, but he was still finishing high school. So, I mean, he would go to work and stuff like that and he would cook for us. But like, there was about maybe six months, like leading up to my birthday, everything. Once my birthday came, I remember that being a really fun time. Like my grandma was there. Like there was a little bit more family there. I didn't realize why they were there. Um, they were, mm. they weren't there for my birthday. Well, I mean, my birthday happened, so they were there for my birthday, but that's not why everyone was there. Like, mm -hmm. and um, I didn't know she was, you know, getting the testing and stuff like that. My sister Melanie, I'm ninety percent sure, was the one that said, "I'm taking you to the hospital. Enough is enough." My mom was throwing mm -hmm. up, and like she couldn't even get out of bed. I remember, I would like boil noodles and. My little brother um, Matthew, who's now twenty-two, at the time. Um, we didn't know he had autism yet and you wouldn't tell now, like you wouldn't be able to tell, but when you're younger, it's, you know, it affects a lot, like, yeah. um, just like your life and, um, learning and, and moving around and stuff like that. And, um, yeah. so, but Matt liked to help with the dishes. So we let him, I mean, mm -hmm. he made a mess all the time with it, but we were all kids. We didn't care. My mom was just happy that they were halfway clean. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so he liked doing that. And so we would let him do that. And I remember I was boiling noodles one day. She was so God awfully ill and she was, um, she was in bed. She was throwing up and, um, I slipped cause we had water all over the floor and I dumped boiling hot water just like all mm. over my body. So I've never, I mean, I, mm. that was the last time I saw my mom get up that fast. Um, she like could barely get up and like do the day. That's how bad it was. And, um, so my brother would cook a lot and things like that leading up to her finally going and like going to the hospital. Cause mm. she was like, no, I must have like the flu or something. And we didn't have, a, we had like no money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like going to the doctor yeah. was not on her list yeah. of things to do. Yeah. Um, getting us to the doctor was a lot as it was. And yeah. um, so she got up so fast, threw me in an ice bath. And thankfully she did it fast enough to wear. I remember my thumb, like, I think it was this side. It doesn't really matter. But my thumb was pretty badly burned. Um, like from mm -hmm. here, like from here down, I'd say. Other than that, I mean, it spilled all over my body, but thankfully, I I blame the ice bath. I mean, I think the ice bath, really. I'm pretty sure that's what kind yeah. of saved me in that moment. Um, 
But after that, you know, she got scanned. And right after my birthday, we found out she had brain cancer. So my grandmother was down and that was interesting. Her and my sister, woo, they were butt in heads. Mm. My grandmother was traditional Catholic and um, my mom grew up with that, but she didn't, we didn't do Catholicism. You know, it wasn't until later in life where she really started getting into the Bible. And then like, we were she was like a, just a Jesus lover. Like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And yeah. Um, Catholicism is a very interesting walk. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of things that, you know, can definitely steer you from the love of Jesus. I'm not saying all Catholics are bad by any shape or form. Um, I believe we mm-hmm. have brothers and sisters everywhere, but I went to Catholic school and stuff like that as well. And there's just a lot of things that they do that go against scripture, um, which yeah. that's just the human experience, you know, like, yeah, that's, we all do it to a certain extent, just it being organized mm-hmm. religion like that definitely affects a lot of people. Um, but I digress. So my grandmother came her and my sister, like butt in heads, right. And not for wrong reasons. I mean, Stephanie had some good points. I mean, my grandmother, she was older and she did what she could do, you know, and my um, Mm -hmm. sister Melanie was very in there. She knew how my grandmother was and like, she was like on it, you know what I mean? Like she was like trying to make sure we were good in her own way. And um, eventually my mom got so sick that Mm -hmm. my grandmother decided to, Um, well, my grandmother really convinced her to move us to Rhode Island so that she could go to the doctors in Boston. She had stage four brain cancer. Um, she, her brain was just infested with tumors. They, she had to get brain surgery. She had one cut out or maybe a few cut out. I'm not sure she had this big scar from here to here on the side of her head. And, um, I look back and I remember she'd be trying to put her hair piece on that my aunt, my auntie Louie was a hairdresser actually. And, um, she came and stayed with us. I loved my auntie Louie. like, Oh my gosh. I just like, she was my favorite person. I wish I was still in contact with her. Um, she was a Rhode Island hairdresser and she was just like, you know, the funniest, the red nails, Man. the big poo. She was like, Oh my God, how are you? Like, that's just like how yes. she was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She was great. And, um, she was just so fun. She made everything so fun. So she got my mom this hair piece and I'm pretty sure she like colored it herself and like, you know, Mm -hmm. made it really pretty. And, um, my mom, sometimes she wanted her, I am assuming she wanted it to breathe. And I just remember, I can only imagine how much this affected like her self image, like looking back as a, as an adult woman now, I would look at my mom and say, mom, like you need to put something over that. Like it's scaring me. Like it's scaring me. Like, I don't want to see it. And there was a few times she got upset with me. And I mean, understandably so, you know what I mean? Like I didn't know I was a, I was a young girl, but she's like trying to do this, trying to take care of her kids. And she's a single mom as it is. And and now she has this super gnarly scar, like black stitching, like, this Mm. thick 
just down the side. Yeah. And um, I always feel bad. Like I think back to that and I'm like, I wish I would have never said that to her. You know what I mean? Like just the the effect it probably had on her mental state at the time. But she never, I mean, she never blamed me for it. I was a child. So fast forward, we moved to Rhode Island and I have this paper for my new school and I've got a uniform that I have to wear to school and I'm talking to my dad and I'm asking him like, Hey dad, what do you do for a living? And I'm like asking him all these questions. Right. And, um, he's like, what is this for? And he said, Oh, for my new school. Well, I didn't know Mm. that my mom's side of the family technically moved us out of the state illegally. Cause like custody. And so I didn't oh, know that my dad didn't know I was going to and Yeah. Like, oh so then God. he's talking to me and he's like, oh, what do you mean new school? And like, I just remember it being this super calm conversation. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, my new school, I have a uniform. Like we're at grandma's. And he's like, you're at grandma's. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? Like, and really we were living at my brother's Michael's, my brother Michael's. But when I said we're at grandma's, I meant we were in Rhode Island and he knew what that meant. Like we were no longer in the state of New York. And so family court is now open. Um, My father decided, and I do believe that this was his decision. um, My father decided to not press charges because he knew how sick my mom was. And um, we stayed in Rhode Island while, cause it was terminal. Um, yeah. And um, we stayed there, we stayed with the family and, and he was all right with it. Um, he wasn't happy the way it happened. I, I can only assume they probably thought he would fight her leaving, but um, all said and done, like the way it happened really worked out as far as like God's eyes go, because God could see everything. And we had so much family support during that time. We Mm -hmm. were around my cousins, my brother, Michael living with him. He did the best that he could. It was definitely um, an interesting experience. He was an ex Marine. He had a lot of things that he definitely needed to work on himself. Um, And he still does. Um, But I genuinely think that everybody tried the best that they could with the cards that they had been dealt. Um, There are definitely a lot of things that my siblings and I went through. I think Rhode Island, I went through, I think I went through the least in Rhode Island compared to my siblings. Um, My sister had a very hard time um, and her and my, you know, my brother, Michael, definitely had a hard time together. And so that was kind of a blessing for me because my mom was my everything. Like Mm -hmm. I was a mama's girl. You can even ask, I mentioned my Barbara earlier in the podcast and my mother would go do things that she needed to do. Right. Um, She never dated. Mm -hmm. She never did any of that, but she, would need to go shopping for something or um, Mm. go sometimes we'd say at Barbara's while she worked or something like that. And um, yeah, 
you can ask my barber, I would be at the door as a young girl sobbing for hours because I just wanted mm. my mother to come back. And I was like, she yeah. left me here. Like, no. you know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah. I was so attached to my mother. And, um, and so I think that her going through that and, um, mm me not experiencing as much as some of my other siblings did was kind of a gift from God for me. Um, because he also knew what I was about to go through after she passed. And once we get into that, um, that'll be, that's going to be a pretty, pretty interesting topic once we get there but she so she's sick and I came to find out later that she actually only had a few months to live and um, Mm. I didn't find this out when she was alive we were just praying and then my brother got us into the secret so manifesting Mm. and that's when things I really started to feel like more of a negative shift because like we were praying Mm. first and then like we got into the secret and like manifesting and like Um, and I'm listening to this as a 10 year old girl, so I don't know any better. Like, and I still believed in, yeah. And like, I still believed in Jesus, but I'm like, Oh, I mean, my family is saying this is fine. My brother is having me listening to this. I didn't know it was witchcraft because that's what manifestation is. Um, and the only reason it works is the Lord says power and death live in the tongue. He's not going to change a heavenly principle just because someone's using it incorrectly. He's not going to change and say, no, it's not going to work because he's not a liar. You know what I mean? And he gave us free will. So when he, when we use it incorrectly, it's, that's Mm -hmm. why it still works because he is so good that he's not just going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And people in the Bible would curse will cause curses they would say like yeah. you know and you could either bless or you could curse and so that's yeah. why it's you're very right like that like out like the lord breathed onto us and so every time we speak we're breathing and so it is the spirit it's the lord and so i absolutely agree that yes um, you can even people you that curse. are like they think they're using like darker powers and stuff like that um or they're practicing witchcraft and they're like no i'm doing this i'm doing that and you're going to these spirits and like uh, to these idols and they're giving you this power, all that stuff. Guess what? All those spirits you're worshiping, everything that you're, that you are manifesting, everything that's bringing it to you has to bring it through the Lord first. He still yeah. has to, he still has to okay it. Even though you're doing yeah. it incorrectly, it's like when the devil went up to heaven and he was like, I bet I can get Job to turn against you. He had to go and mm-hmm. ask God for permission. They don't have authority. Mm-hmm. They are still, whether you believe it or not, or you worship Satan or you worship, you know, all these other idols and these false gods and these spirits. And like, you're having all these spirits come to you and everything else. They still have to go through the creator of the universe mm-hmm. to do anything in your life. Like you, you're not cheating the system. Like you're not. So anyway, to bring it back to the home point, um, we're manifesting, like we're doing all this stuff. I didn't know. And, um, we had a great year with her. We went to Disney world. We, um, did so many things. 
the only bad thing that happened during that year is I went to Catholic school. A lot of things happened. I was a very lovey-dovey child. I wanted mm. to be friends with everybody. Um, I wasn't a mean kid. I mean, I had a, I always have a temper. I'd have to say, like, um, it's something I still deal with now. I'm working through. Um, I've always been very high in my emotions and just like very emotional and sensitive mm. and things of that nature. Um, the only thing that happened during that year is we had, I had a fit out with my Catholic school and it all started, at least this is when I remember it started, it may have started before this and maybe I just don't remember. Cause like I said, this whole time in my life is like kind of blurry, but I remember this very specifically. I have this friend named Catherine and, um, I told her that I loved her and I just meant like, as my friend, like, I love you. Like I really genuinely yeah. love you. And yeah. so all the other kids started questioning me. They were like, did you say you love Catherine? I was like, yes, I love Catherine. And, and she's an incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it turned into, I'm in love with Catherine is how they spun it. Mm. And I was yeah. like, no, I was like, I just, I love Catherine. So then yeah. everybody in that classroom isolated me and I was no longer spoken to because they thought I was gay. And that's awful to do anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. That's like the grace of God. No, anyway. it did not. And then I get pulled into the principal's office. Yeah. And I'm being told yeah. at 10 years old, maybe, no, I wasn't 11 yet because this is leading up to my birthday. Um, I'm being told that homosexuality is bad and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah you're like, I'm like, not I'm even 10, educated. I'm 10 years old. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't really, yeah. I was like, no, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love her like that. Like I just love her. And, and so I'm getting yeah. like berated and, at, at 10 and um, I'm just like, Oh my, Oh my goodness. You know? And, and so then my birthday party, I was so excited. And I felt like, like the kids were kind of starting to talk to me again. And I was a kid mm -hmm. that like, I tried to just brush it off and I was like, it's okay. Like I forgive you. And I just like kept going and tried to yeah. make connections again. And I was always like yeah. that when I was younger and my mother really made me a very, as sensitive as I was. And I cried a lot and stuff like that. I was a very confident young girl. Like I had sass and pizzazz yeah. and like, I just was like, it's yeah. good. Like I'm, I'm great. Like the way I've been made is great. And like, this is yeah. my first experience to where, like, even when we lived in upstate New York, um, I wasn't the most popular, but at some point, just because of my spunk, I guess, the most popular girl in school, Delana Fisher, I'll never forget, she took to me and she was like, oh, we're going to mm. give you a makeover and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, like, you know what I mean? Like, even, even yeah. she took to me, you know, and she didn't before. And so I was just this really spunky girl. And, and so I was mm. like, I'm just going to brush it off. And and I just kept trying. I didn't hold, I didn't hold a grudge as much as a kid can't hold a grudge. I mean, I'm sure I was a little petty yeah. and stuff like that. That just happens. But, um, yeah, yeah. so I invited every single person, everybody to my birthday party and every single kid. Right. 
um, 23 kids in this class. So the day of my birthday party, I had a Hannah Montana birthday party. I was so excited. Oh, yes, like stop. I had, yes, I had the decorations. I had a Hannah Montana cake. I had, I was like, everyone's going to uh, think I'm so cool. Like I got to have, because that was the thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That yeah. was the did thing. Did you do anything to your hair? Did you have like a Hannah Montana wig? Or no, I had like, okay. no, I had like some of her like accessories and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that my brother had gotten, like, we went all out. We had like pictures of Hannah Montana on the wall and like, we had all these pretty decorations. Oh I would have so, given anything to just see this right Yes. Now. And like, it was awesome. And, um, so my family is starting to show up and everyone's so excited. I'm starting to see my presence. I'm like, wait. And I'm like, okay, when is everyone going to be here? Like my party starts at this time and no one showed up. And I was like, it's okay. Maybe they're late. So like my brother's distracting me. I'm playing with like my siblings just to try and have a good time. Mm -hmm. Another hour goes by and no one's here. And then, yeah. um, and then another hour goes by and no one's here. Mm -hmm. So now two hours have gone by and no one shows up. All of a sudden there's a knock at the door and I'm like, <gasps> like somebody's here, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I, yeah. um, I'm like waiting for them to come in. My brother goes, cause it, it was his house and he answers the door cause we were living there. And, um, and it was Emily's mom and she dropped off a present for me and they had another party to go to. So they didn't mm. stay and not a single person showed up to my birthday party. Um, so that was the first time I felt rejection in like that strong of a sense. Like I, yeah, I was just, and my mom was there and I ran downstairs. Cause like we had three levels to that house. The basement had been finished. There was like a bedroom and stuff. So my sister were down there and I were down there. Um, and then my little brother, was all the way upstairs and then when my older brother came and stayed he kind of stayed in upstairs so the girls had their own space the boys had their own space and mm -hmm. um i ran to my room i am just devastated because like i i was like this is it like this is we're all going to be friends again like this is going to do it and i am just like crushed no one nobody showed up and I go downstairs and I'm crying and crying. Eventually my mom slowly makes her way downstairs. She's like, you know, she's super sick at this time. This was a few months before she passed away. So she made her way down the stairs and um, she's sitting there with me and just letting me cry. Like she's not saying anything. She's just letting me cry and like rubbing my back. And my brother comes downstairs and he's like, all these people are here. Like, don't be like that. Like all of our family's here. Like, like, don't be like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and she looked at him and she said, Michael, this is her birthday. If she wants to cry, you need to let her cry. So she let me finish. Mm -hmm. And eventually I went upstairs and, uh, it's still, it's still like you can, my best friend, um, I just shared this with her. I don't plan big things for my birthday. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't, um, since that day, the only time I did was during COVID, it was my golden year. And we had such a great group of friends 
But still, I didn't yeah. invite like everybody. I said, anyone who wants to come can come. And I invited our closest friends and then they brought, you know, some of their yeah. friends. Um, but yeah. it was still just at the house, you know, and, um, mm. but I have not ever planned like anything to do anything special, like, mm. you know, more than just a few people at the house, like since that point. Yeah. And um, so my mom's there and eventually we had a great time, like, everything finished out and it was great but that was the first time i ever felt the spirit of rejection on my back i agree on the spirit of rejection that and also that's such an like you see that stuff in movies like yeah. oh like and you feel for that person you're like man that really sucks that no one showed up but like to live it is a whole different thing to actually fully experience that um so yeah like continue oh my gosh i mean looking back on it it felt it felt like a like a Disney Channel movie, you know. What yeah, I, mean? I was going like, to say that's what it reminded me. Of. Yeah, like no one shows up for your birthday. It was, it was, no, not even one. Twenty-three people, not even one person, and yeah, um, and I obviously don't hold anything against yeah. any of them. We were all kids, yeah. but and I'm sure they were thinking, well, someone else will probably show up, so I just won't. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, and they are. And it just happened that nobody came, you know? And, and so moving moving from that, like, yeah, like, this is such a time. You're going from that. And um, I can only imagine that, like, you experienced that first. And that kind of, I, I want to say that it kind of highlighted it for you, like rejection. Yeah. Like, because you, you talked about, like, this happened to me. You know, I kept on trucking. I was doing fine. Um, mm. But this really hit you. So, yeah, fill me in on, like, this, this was, continue, the this domino was, effect and all that. Yeah this was the start of a lot of rejection in my life um, of a lot of like that spirit of rejection stayed on me for the longest time. And um, now actually reflecting your question was really great. I think that's going to help me now in my walk is um, I tend to get very defensive when I don't feel understood or it, when I feel rejected um, and mm, I, yeah. even with my, with my poor husband, I will press the issue. And I did it last night. Um, I will press mm. an issue just so hard because I want to be understood because I can't handle feeling rejected. Like it's something I struggle mm. with, um, when I, you know, and it's like, I will press and press and press because I don't want them to reject me or think I'm yeah. coming off a certain way. And, um, it does. It definitely affects me. So moving from here, um, that was the first instant and I didn't feel it again until after this happened. So the month of July, we had my brother's birthday. Everything was like pretty okay. My mom, I couldn't see that she was getting worse. I still had full hope of full recovery. And God mm. did some amazing things during this time. Um, like I remember at one point we prayed and we did pray to St. Jude, which is like, that's idolatry. Um, mm. <laughs> praying to the saints. Yeah. It's like, we don't, we're not supposed to pray to anyone but the father. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but God uses all things for the good, you know, of those who he yeah. loves. And um, he so we were praying and St. Jude is supposed to be like, the saint that like helps with healing and, and just like sickness and stuff like that. That's what I was told at least. So we were praying. Yeah. Um, 
And all of a sudden, one of my mom's tumors just disappeared. Like it was gone. Wow. And so we did get to see, I've seen cancer disappear. You know what I mean? Like I have yeah. seen cancer disappear. And, um, but it was not, it wasn't enough. Like she, it was, her brain was so invaded. Um, mm. And it was just so strong at that point. So we're leading into July. Everything seems okay. Like we're having a great summer. And um, August 30th was her birthday. She wasn't doing very well. We were seeing her kind of less and less. So we went to go see her. And at this point, she was so weak. She couldn't even sit up or open her eyes. Mm. So we're sitting here and we're singing happy birthday. And um, I remember, I'm pretty sure I was praying. If not, I was talking to my mom, but I'm pretty sure I was praying. And I was like, just let me see my mom's eyes one more time. And her mm. eyes were always the same color as mine, green. Mm. And um, I remember when she opened her eyes, it must have been the medicine or something, or maybe it was just because she was on yeah. her last leg of life. When she opened her eyes, they were so much lighter than mm. they were. Like they were almost blue. Like mm. they, they weren't the same color. And I, I'll never forget that. And we were sitting there and um, she was holding my hand. She was holding my sister's hand. And mm. this is my chance to apologize to my sister. I'm so sorry that I ever used this over her head, but when we would get into fights, you know, not understanding as a kid, um, yeah. I would use this over her head and say, well, mom did this for me and she didn't do it for you. And yeah. I'm about to tell you what it was, but really my sister was a lot stronger than me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was so incredibly fragile, especially after this year of the school I was in and everything else, mm -hmm. I was so incredibly fragile. And, um, and I know that's why my mom did it. It had nothing to do with favoritism. It had nothing to do with mm. me being loved more. It was, she catered to me so much more than my sister. And I know it affected my sister, but that was because of me. That was my fault mm. to say. I was a child. So of course, you know, I'm not, yeah. no child is at fault. Um, but yeah. it was because she knew my sister would be okay. And she had that trust that my sister would be okay. Me, it was always up in the air. Um, yeah. And we're sitting there and I'm saying, just let me see her eyes one more time. And she opened her eyes and I'm, we're crying, crying, crying. And um, as she closes her eyes, she lifted up my hand, put it to her mouth, and then it just fell back on the bed. Mm. And... I'm sure my sister was waiting for her to do it. And I'm sure my mother would have done it if she had more yeah. strength. And I'm sure she assumed she probably went to go lift that hand and realized yeah. she couldn't, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that she would have done the same. Um, and so we're sitting there and it was her birthday and we sang her happy birthday and at the time, my brother had me really into singing. My auntie Luann has a beautiful voice, like gorgeous voice. Mm. And she was giving me singing lessons. And 
I wouldn't say I'm the best singer. I'm maybe, I'm sure it was more of like an outlet thing. You know what I mean? Like she loves to sing. So let's just like let her have this outlet. And so I was singing to my mom and, um, and then all of a sudden we had a wedding to go to. And, Mm -hmm. um, so my brother was like, all right, it's time to go. We got to get on the road. And, And I felt now I know it was the Holy Spirit but I heard somebody say, it's time. And I was like, I'm not leaving. Cause I knew what that meant. I was like, I'm not leaving. I can't leave. So my brother being a former Marine, um, I didn't, it didn't last long, but I was jumping over couches. I was hiding under beds. I was running. I was like, we were in my uncle's house. It's where my mother lived so that it was a little more quiet. No, not as much stress with the kids and stuff like that. We saw her pretty much every yeah. day, but you know, yeah. um, that's where she stayed because it was just too much <laughs> with all of yeah. us. And like, she needed to yeah. heal. The goal Understandably. Was yes. And, um, so I'm like jumping over couches, doing this, that third, you know, and like, um, I'm like, I'm not leaving. It's like, yeah. it's like that sound on TikTok. I know it says the F word, but it's like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> it's like, that was me. I was like, I'm not leaving. I was like, I'm not leaving. And so I'm like running. I'm like, no, no, like, like fighting. Like, I'm like, get off me. Yeah. Like, I'm not going anywhere. And so they literally dragged me out of the house, put me in the car. We're driving up mm. the road. And I'm pretty sure we pull, all of a sudden my brother, um, pulls off into the only parking lot that there was. And I'm pretty sure it was a funeral home. Um, mm. but I don't remember the building or it was like a memorial center. It, I just remember it was something like that. It was such a strange thing. Mm. He's on the phone with yeah. my uncle and he's like, okay, okay. And he was like, thanks uncle C. And he hangs up and he looks up in the rear view mirror. I see his eyes. My brother had these bright blue eyes and he just looks in the rear view mirror and he looks at all of us and he says, mom's gone. 30 minutes after we left, she passed. And so we get out of the car, we're all distraught. And this, I was this kid. I was this kid. I saw everyone was distracted and I didn't want to leave. I I was the one that didn't want to leave. So I started sprinting in the direction that we came. Cause I was like, no. No, I was like, there's no way, there's no way. So I'm sprinting and I don't remember if it was my brother, Steven, that kind of took me down and, and grabbed me or if it was my brother, Michael, but I just remember them holding me so tight Mm. because I mean, everybody knew I, I didn't want to go. I was like, no, I can't go. We can't go. And it was her birthday. She went home on her birthday, which was a blessing. Mm, she wasn't in pain wow. anymore. But yeah, um, she passed. And um, I just remember I was so sick. I was struggling at that time with um, some kind of eating disorder. I kept throwing mm. up like my dinner and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it was just the, sh- the stress of like my mom yeah. being so sick and like everything that was happening. Um, so that experiencing like that eating disorder while she was sick, right? I was like, like my mm-hmm. belly was bloated. I was so skinny. Like I had the bloated yeah. belly. Um, yeah. 
um, like you see like people, like kids that aren't getting enough nutrition, their bellies will be bloated. Um, yeah. And I had a little bit of a bloated belly. I was so skinny, so, so skinny already. And um, the next 10 days, I pretty much stayed in my brother's bedroom. His wife, Amanda, at the time, they're not together anymore, but, and I love her still. We keep in contact and she is such a blessing, such a blessing. Um, But I remember her taking care of me and them both trying to get me to eat. And everything I ate just came right back. I couldn't hold Mm -hmm. a single thing down. It was like part of me had just been ripped, just completely Mm -hmm. severed. And I got so much skinnier. (laughs) And I didn't have, I didn't have anything to lose. You know, I was already. Yeah. I was so sick and I just remember at one point, and this is when I started to get better. And I told my brother, um, I was just talking to my mom and I fell asleep in the bed. I was so weak. I only got up to go to the bathroom. Like I wasn't playing. Mm. I wasn't doing anything. I was so sick, like physically just ripped to pieces. Um, at, 11, I just turned 11 two months prior, you know, and I was just Mm. destroyed. And I remember I was sleeping and then all of a sudden I felt somebody go like this. Mm. And at the time I thought it was my mom. Mm -hmm. But I look back now and I know that that was the Holy Spirit. And I mean, I felt somebody like grab my hand Cause when I woke up, my mm. hand was like, it, I could feel that I was holding someone's hand and I looked and my hand was yeah. like that and I was yeah. just gripping it and it was squeezing me. And then all of a sudden mm. it, it left. And, um, that's when I started to get better was at that mm. moment. And I told my brother, I said, I think mom was holding my hand. And I don't know, I'll find out when I was in heaven if it was her or the Holy Spirit, but I can only assume, yeah, you know, based yeah. on what we know with scripture, I can only assume that it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And um, it could have been both of mm. them. You know, they could have been together. He could have brought her with him and um, just mm. let her hold my hand. Yeah. Um, and I started to health-wise get better. Um, and my father at the time lived all the way in South Carolina. He was married to my stepmom. They were moving there anyway. I'm sure that's also why he was okay with um, us staying with my mom and like us not being ripped from family right away. He was like, let's just wait and they'll have a new beginning here. Yeah. And um, so then a few weeks later, it wasn't long. It was maybe like two weeks. Um, I don't remember if it was two weeks in total or two weeks after I started getting better. I can't remember, but like, I wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And they could have also extended it and been like, let's just wait like another week because like, she's not okay to, yeah. To like, you know, I I don't know. Um, and I'm, it could have also depended on my other siblings. I don't remember. Um, I just remember Mm -hmm. being so sick and, um, and so then we, 
my father came and picked us all up in his white little Mishibishi, crammed us all in the car. Um, and at that point, my brother Stephen was in college, and they also, that's not his dad. My dad was his stepdad. Mm. Um, yeah. And so it was just me, my brother, Matthew, and my sister, Stephanie. And we're all in the car. And um, we started our journey to South Carolina. And mm, wow. Mm, so I that was is... 11 when she passed. And now we're so young on the way to a completely different part of the U.S. And this was before yeah. Northerners started moving heavily down to the Carolinas because yeah. that happened yeah. later. Um, you know, that big, you know, that being where you're from. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're it's very gotten even prevalent. heavier now. Yes. It's very prevalent now. Like you guys are used yeah. to us now <laughs> being around. Yeah. <laughs> but when we yeah. first moved, this was 2008 and we moved to, um, you know, the coast of South Carolina in the Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach, Cherry Grove area. And, um, and we, it was, it was, this is where I think the devil really like honed in on rejection. Mm. Um, yeah. Once, once we arrived there, we didn't go into school right away. Um, we, you know, had a little bit of time to like acclimate and things yeah. like that. But. I mean, and also you, you didn't go you know, you didn't come to North Carolina, you went to South Carolina, it which even in North Carolina, different. we're like, no, but they're Southern. Like here you've they, got a little bit of, of grace, but over yeah. there, it's like, you have that more authentic Southern, all of that. And so to they, come from New York. And in, and in 2008, they were so closed off to any other culture. And yeah. I have some of my best friends are from South Carolina. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, there are amazing people, but especially during that time period, they were like oblivious to any other culture. They yeah. did not want any other culture there. Um, mm. You know, it was, yeah. it was just, there was so much tension. So yeah. when we started and school, I also just, yeah, go ahead. Real quick. I just want to say yeah. you just a, a, a few seconds ago, a minute ago mentioned you were 11. Like, let's yeah. pause and look at the fact that you went through so much and you were just barely entering pre-teenage phase. Yeah. Like, like 12, you're considered like a preteen. I have not even gotten a, a period yet. I was still yeah. like... And that's that's a lot. That's a lot of yeah. not only like a lot to, to endure, but that's a lot of pain to process yeah. at such a young age. And like all of the things we've already talked about. So, um, yeah, go ahead, continue, because now we're entering what you said, where the rejection just kind of got a little bit more prominent. Yes. It was very, very, very prominent. Um, my father, again, I love him and God has restored our relationship. I actually hope he doesn't watch this podcast because I feel like it might, I don't want it to hurt his feelings, but I'm going to tell the truth and I'm going to share my testimony. And, um, um I don't want it to hurt him, his feelings. So, cause we are, we are past that. You know what I mean? Like we're past these things yeah. now. And, um, I love him so much. 
but let me start with what happened at school. Um, we first got there and I, first day of school. Okay. Um, in New York, we don't say yes, ma'am. No, sir. Um, we, we have a very casual version of what politeness is. We speak mm. very casually. Um, like I remember in elementary school when we had the switch, we could no longer call our after school teachers Miss Tammy. We had to call her Miss Smith. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, like we had to refer to her by her last name. So that was like, yeah, yeah. How chill. We would just be like, oh, Miss Teresa. And half the time we didn't even say Miss. We would just be like, Teresa. You know what I mean? Like, it's very yeah. different, yeah. like, very different yeah. culture. The things we harped on was when you, when you did call, um, you know, um, someone by their last name, like, for example, my maiden name is Pachico. If I said, Miss Pachico, if I was married and you didn't say Mrs., they would correct, correct you. So if you no, said yeah. Miss Pachico, they would say, no, it's Mrs. Pachico. And like, that was like yeah. the things that people harped on with stuff like that. So in the South, yeah, like I got there. married, I got my man. Yes, yes, yes. And Make so sure like, you yes. And it was like the family dynamic was where we placed mm. our like politeness and things of that nature. Cause you know, a lot of Italians, I'm Portuguese, things like that. We were like, yeah, you need to know that like, I'm in a family. I am not a miss. I'm a missus and, or I'm, you know, yeah. um, I am senior so-and-so I'm not junior. Like, you know what I mean? Stuff like that, yeah. like the family dynamic, we very heavily, um, not that the South doesn't have their own version of that because they do, but it was just different. And yeah. so I get there first day of school. I am there and the teacher is asking me, how do you say your last name? And she's saying, Pacecno, Pacinio, like, I'm like, where'd the M oh come from? You know, like, <laughs> she, she just oh couldn't say it, you know? And, and so I said, it's yeah. Pachico. And she said, Pachico. And I said, yeah, Pachico. And she looks at me and she said, what did you say? And I said, I said, yeah. And she said, one more time. Oh and she's like, Matt, like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. Oh Why God. is she upset? And I said, I said, yes. And I'm looking at her like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, what she she's wants. interpreting this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She thinks that I'm being disrespectful and I'm not yeah. addressing her. And I, I did not know about the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Like I had no yeah. knowledge of it. Oh, and girl. so I said, I said, yes. And she slams on the desk. That's it. You say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Get out of my classroom. Go to the mm. principal's office. And I said, yeah, um, first day. Yeah. And I said, um, ma'am, where's the principal's office? And then she thinks of being smart, you know, like, oh I'm, my God. She's thinking, I'm like, um, ma'am, you know, and I'm not I doing can't. that. I'm just like, oh. um, <laughs> so I get, and so she's like, get out of my class. Don't be smart. And I'm like, I'm now standing in the hallway. I've been pushed out of a classroom and I'm like, Okay, so I'm yeah. trying to be this charismatic young girl that I've always been. And I was like, problem solved. 
I knock on another teacher's door and I said, hey, it's my first day. My teacher wanted me to go to the principal's office. I don't know where to go. And so they yeah. showed me where to go and I get in there and he's like, why did it take you so long? I was like, sir, I didn't know where your office was my first day. Like, uh, I didn't know. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, he's like, okay. And he's like super upset with me already. <laughs> like, no. Just sitting in this man's office. And he says, why didn't you say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am? And I said, uh, and now I'm like overusing it. I'm like, sir, I didn't know. And he said, what do you mean you yeah. didn't know? And I'm like, I didn't know. And he said, young lady, I'm going to give you the chance to tell the truth. If you were upset, you just got to let me know. But like, you can't have an attitude. He's like, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, I didn't know. And he said, if you keep lying to me, I'm going to call your father. <laughs> and I said, please uh... call my dad. Like, oh my dad, I'm so confused. Like, I don't know what's happening. And so he like picks up the phone all mad. And he's like, my God, so disrespectful. He's like, you know, saying I'm just being disrespectful and like, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Calls my dad. Hi, Mr. P P uh, Pacheco. How are you doing, sir? He's like, I'm fine. He's like, I have your daughter Stacy in here. Um, she's being relatively disrespectful. She's telling me that. She didn't know to say this. And he's like, oh, my God, like, what would she do? Like, and, you know, I was <laughs> not like, I wasn't one Gosh. to get in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I, he's like, he's like, it's her first day. What could she possibly done on her first day? And, you know, my dad was pretty understanding, even if I w did do something bad, because like my mom had just yeah. died, yeah. you know, like, I'm so yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like. Waiting because they didn't put them on speaker back then, but my dad's loud, so I can hear him talking. And he's like, She didn't say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. She's saying that you guys don't do that up there, and I know that can't be true, sir. So I just want to clear things up. He's like, Matt. And he said, Oh, shoot. Only said the other word. He said, I'm so sorry. He said, I forgot to tell her before she left for school. And he said, Sir, she's telling the truth. We don't do that up there. Oh, and so his jaw, like, as he's on the phone, he looks at me, he goes, like, just <laughs> <Yeah>. dumbfounded. <laughs> and so he said, all right. He said, I'll, I'll talk to her teacher. Oh and so he hangs gosh. up and he's like, then he looks at me, he's like, you guys really don't? And I said, no, sir. <laughs> oh, my God. And so not oh only that, gosh. but like, None of the kids had met me yet. Now I'm being labeled uh, as a bad kid. And I'm like, I was about to say, like, that was a public execution on the first yes, day. Yes. Like, oh my God, I was ostracized. Excuse me. Excuse me. Not, oh my God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I was ostracized and I had to go back in there. And then she's asking me all these questions. Well, what is it like up there? And like, no, She's we're like, not friends. <laughs> yeah, and I was, well, I just kind of, I was like, well, I got to, I'm like, just such, I was such a sweet kid that I was like. No, I agree, well, but I just, inside, know, like, I would be like. Yeah, and, well, I was scared at this point. I was like, I will answer every question that this woman <laughs> asked me. I am absolutely terrified at yeah, this point. Yeah. 
And so she's asked me, she said, that's all right. You're just a Yankee. We'll get you right. She literally called me a Yankee, like to my face. And like, she Uh. would call me a Yankee for like most of that year. She just referred to me as a Yankee. She'd be like, she'd be like, all right, Yankee. And like, you know, she thought it was funny. And I was like, I didn't know till later that that was a slur um, for Northern people. I didn't know. And so I was just like, okay, I didn't tell my parents nothing because I didn't know. You're like, and, minimal conflict as possible. Yes. And I'm just like, and I also, I didn't understand that like Southern women were taught to be quiet and that meant young girls too. And it's definitely mm-hmm. gotten better as the years have went on, but this is 2008. It's not even 2009 yet, you know, like we're still in 2008. So I'm being spunky, you know, like I'm from New York. People are asking me all these questions and upstate New York isn't very city, but like we still have, we're very charismatic. Like we'll talk to anybody. Um, We're, you know, for the most part, like once we're connected, we're going to talk to you. We're going to be respectful, but we also don't really do like the whole Southern politeness. So I didn't catch on to like the cues of they don't want to talk to me because I remember in first grade, right? This is just how we were in that area. There was this girl and her and I would beef sometimes. And I looked at her and I said, Kayla, let's be real. You don't like me. I don't really like you either. We don't have to be friends, but we can still be nice to each other. And that's literally what I said to this girl. This is like first, second grade. So like, (laughs) this is how I'm talking to these people. Just like super (laughs) forward, super like, and like, I am telling them why they're like, Oh, so why are you here? And really, I didn't understand that they're just being polite and that that's yeah, like, yeah, I didn't know. I thought that they were genuinely yeah. interested. So I'm and like, so you're spewing. I'm like trying to be myself. I'm like, Oh, I guess they like me, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, a, like a week or two goes by and one of them got so frustrated that she said to another girl. And then I heard, I heard her say it. And they said, my God, like, and this is just me quoting it. They said, my God, I bet you annoyed your mother to death. Like, that's why she passed Mm. away is Mm. what they said. And I just, that just, and I, I had never like been spoken to that, Mm. that way. Yeah. And I was like, I'm annoyed. I was like, I'm aggravating. I didn't. Yeah. He's like, you know, mm-hmm. like I was like, oh my god. Um, and just out of curiosity, did they know that your mother had passed when yeah, they I said that? Them. Yep, I told okay. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they so said it nice. with the implication of, "I bet your mom died because you annoyed her to death." That's how oh, yeah. it was said. And so I just like. Yep. Felt this heavy weight again of rejection um, of who I was. And yeah. so I kind of went into my own shell and I wasn't, I've never been good at being quiet. So yeah. I was still a talkative girl, but I just kind of would shut down. Yeah. That's when the yeah. bullying started. And when I was younger, I actually had a very heavy lisp. 
I, I still have like a little bit of one, but um, yeah. I remember in seventh grade, this, there was this group of kids and they did not like me. It was kind of the same group of people that, you know, it had been. And this boy, um, his name was Ernie. He looked at me and he literally spit on me. And then he said, say it, don't spray it. And I, and I was just taught, I wasn't even talking to him. He just happened to be like in nearby and, and maybe I did, you know, I don't yeah. know. I was a kid. I had a list. So it was very possible or he could have just been being mean, which yeah. he was still being mean regardless. I was talking yeah. to my friend. Um, oh my God. What was her name? Alani, Elaney. I have her name somewhere in a book in my big fat like yearbooks and stuff like that she was my best friend at school at the time and she was from my like she was from new york so like her and i clicked right off the bat yeah and um she looked at him and she was like shut up ernie and like she was like ready to fight him and yeah but that was like just another mm. like just hit like i wasn't even talking yeah. to him and it was yeah. just like boom and while all this is happening at home, my father, he really struggled with his anger and things got physical often. Um, I do believe that he tried his best now that I've talked to him and things like that. Um, but he did not, patience was not a virtue that he possessed. Um, so I'm getting rejected there and at home. Um, and I do think he struggles with some, like, it probably has to do with how he grew up but he has some narcissistic tendencies and um, he would kind of categorize us as kids. And I always felt like I was like kind of the take all kid. That's how I felt yeah. growing up. And my sister would be like, just stay quiet. Like don't fight him back. But in a lot of it could have been the confidence that my mom kind of instilled yeah. in me when I was younger was like, no, this isn't okay. He shouldn't be doing that. Or he shouldn't have done that. Like, yeah. And so I would keep pressing. And this is where I yeah. started to get defensive and press when I was feeling yeah. that rejection as I would press. This is where that like pushing back started to happen, like the getting angry and the constantly pressing into situations and stuff like that, yeah. which was probably difficult to deal with. But um, all of this is happening. And then I come home and I can't do anything right. I'm getting smacked around sometimes. And um, as I got older, that only got worse. And we are now kind of entering into high school, middle school. Like Thank you so much for listening to What God Has Done With My Pain. If you are interested in helping me spread light and truth of what God can do with pain, go to givebutter.com dash what God has done with my pain. So the podcast may continue to sustain future episodes. As always, a huge shout out to Lazuli for her song, No Greater Love, which you can find on Spotify. And you can find Lazuli on Instagram at Lazuli, P-R-O-J. Swing by What Way This Way on Instagram to catch some of behind the scenes snippets. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss a single interview. Meantime, I would love to hear from you on social media or email. Until next time.